we're going to study the Bible. And tonight's going to be really exciting because I don't know what direction we're going. We're doing something a little bit different. Um, sometimes I plan out exactly what we're doing, and sometimes I'm not sure. And tonight, I'm, I know the direction we're going, but it could go in a lot of different ways depending on you. So if they didn't warn you, what we do here on Thursday night is we worship Jesus with all our energy. We want him t- to know that we love him. And we want to remind ourselves of his goodness. We worship him, and then we open our Bibles and we study the word of God. So that's what we're doing tonight, and we're going to do that. But first, we're going to pray because I want to invite you to ask him to speak to you tonight. If you want to hear the voice of God, you will hear him tonight, even if all the things that people say tonight don't make sense. And if you don't want to hear him, then this is going to be really boring for you. So we're going to ask him right now to speak to us. Okay, so let's all stand up. I'm going to lead us in prayer, and, then, and you guys just pray along with me. Father, we're asking that you will do your work in our lives tonight. Holy Spirit, would you show us where our lives need to change, and would you show us who you are, and would we not be satisfied with the level that we were at yesterday? They raise us up closer and closer to you. And that this community of people here at the Cornerstone would be so effective in representing you that the world would be changed because of it. And even the things that we say tonight, would you change people's hearts? Would you awaken their eyes and their minds to know you more? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let me tell you what we're doing. We're studying the book of Acts. The book of Acts is an account by who wrote the book of Acts? Dr. Luke, an account by Dr. Luke recording what the Holy Spirit of Jesus did through his apostles in the years after Jesus stepped off this planet. How many years has it been? Count, guys. How many fingers you got? How many years since Jesus stepped off this planet? You're almost there. Yeah, 1987, 1988. Guys, we had about 12 years till the 2000th anniversary of Jesus' death and resurrection and stepping off this planet and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we're almost there. 2000, we're, we're about to start the third millennium since Jesus left. Now, I don't know what all that means. I'm not necessarily sure that there's, there's going to be major change at that time. But guys, this is celebration. Jesus came, God became man as the person Jesus so that he could redeem to himself this planet. And he started a revolution that is not finished yet, but we are going to give our lives to the greatest extent possible to finish this thing that Jesus started. And the reason I'm a pastor is not because I couldn't figure out what else to do with my life. It's because I'm recruiting you guys to be a part of the greatest thing that has ever happened on this planet, and that is giving your lives for the sake of Jesus Christ. So what we're doing here on Thursday nights is really training you how to think along those lines. And so where we are is in Acts 17, And Acts 17, let me tell you, where Paul and his companions, which includes Luke, the guy who's writing, they, in chapter 17, verse 1, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hands and somebody will get you a Bible. Okay, Yemi-san will get you a Bible if you need one. And guys, it'd be great if you got your own Bible. Um, The phone works too, but it sure helps when you've got a book to carry around. We had to have like a Carry your Bible to school day at UTA. Anybody want to organize that? Okay. So chapter 17, 
Acts 17, verse 1, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. Remember, a synagogue is a place where, where the law of Moses was taught by the Jewish people. Okay? Now, why was there a synagogue in Thessalonica? In fact, why is there a synagogue in almost every one of these cities they go to? Because diaspora. That's exactly right. Because the God had told the Jewish people that if they would follow him, they would stay in the land of Israel. But if they disobeyed him, that he would scatter them around the world. And so what we find by the time of Jesus, that there are synagogues all over the known world, all the way to from, from Spain to Iran to India and probably all the way even over to China. So the Jewish people were scattered everywhere. The reason that God scattered them wasn't just because they had disobeyed him, but because he had a plan to, to disperse these people around the world so that there would be a seed of the gospel truth in lands all over the world. So, verse 2, as was his custom, as his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue. Now, just, just a note about this. Paul's trying to change the world, and he goes to the place where there's people who are worshiping God, even if they're not worshiping God perfectly. If you guys want to change the world, go to the place where people are worshiping God. Don't just gripe about it. Okay? He goes to the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, the reason he's only there on Sabbath days is because that's when the people are there, and also because he's working, making tents the other days, at least for, at this point. On three Sabbaths, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Now, I would underline that, and we're going to come back to it. He reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining, this is verse 3, explaining and praying, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. But, as we've already seen in multiple cases, the Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. Why not? That's what seems to happen everywhere Paul goes. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other brothers before the city officials, shouting, These men have caused trouble all over the world and have come here now. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. They, then they made Jason and the others post-bond, and they let them go. It's like, okay, let's get let's let's calm this thing down. Just give us some money. We'll be done with it. Is what happens here. Now we could talk about a lot of things, and we're going to talk about some things. And this is not the main focus of tonight. But I just want you guys to notice something that's really interesting here. If you look at the at the the people in verse six, they drag Jason and other brothers to where the city officials. Now the city officials. I want, we're going to talk about this for just a second. And here's what I want you guys to think about. There's an attack happening against the gospel in this city, right? Time and time again, there have been attacks made against the gospel and against the Bible. And time and time again, the gospel and the Bible have been proved right. And there's just an interesting story about this phrase in Greek where it says city officials. 
This word in Greek, I don't usually teach Greek to you guys, but this word in Greek is politarch. Polit as in politics and arch as in, as in rulership. Okay? The deal was that no historian knew this word in Greek, and it was said, oh, this is just something that Luke made up. But Luke, if you guys have been studying the book of Luke, you know that Luke has no mistakes in his history. In fact, anybody who has an open mind who studies his history will say there is no historian as great as Luke. Luke is an A-plus level historian. But he uses this word that nobody's ever heard of, and so, of course, the skeptics were like, ah, blah, that, you know, he doesn't know what he's talking about, until about 150 years ago when a stone with... An inscription with this word was found in it. Now, this is all parenthetical. This is not the main point of tonight, but I thought it was interesting. I should share it with you. So would you throw that picture of that stone up there? Okay. So right here is the stone, is, is the stone with that word written on it, and guess where this stone is found? Where it was found. It's in the British Museum now, but it was found in Thessalonica, of course. Once again, proving that Luke knew what he was talking about and the Bible is right. Okay, that's all parenthetical, but it's interesting, right? Okay, and it relates a little bit to what we're, what we're going to talk about now. Okay, verse 10. As soon as it was night, the brothers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. That's the next city. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. You guys notice a pattern? Now the Bereans were of more noble character than the Thessalonians, for they received the message with great eagerness, and they examined the scriptures every day. You guys see what these people did? These people knew the scriptures. Paul comes in, he starts talking about something, and they examined the scriptures, and they examined those scriptures every day, like you guys do every morning. Who read the Bible this morning? Okay, guys, if you didn't read the Bible, we can't win this battle. You got to read the Bible every day without exception, please. They examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. In other words, they didn't just believe what Steve said on Thursday night. They're like, did what Steve say match up with the Bible? I think I'm going to get up tomorrow morning. That's what I'm going to study. That's what the Bereans did, and I, that's what I expect you guys to do. Not just with what I say, but with what your professors say and what the silly movies that you're watching are saying. Examine every day to see if what is being said was true. Verse 12, many of the Jews believed, as did also a prominent number of Greek women and many Greek men. When the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, guess what they did? They're like, oh, we got to stop him there too. So they, they went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. Again, you see the pattern. The brothers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. The men who escorted Paul brought him to Athens. We're going to talk about what happens in Athens in next week or the week after. And then left with instructions for Paul or for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. Okay, let's talk about the pattern. What's the pattern? They go to a new city, and what happens? They go to the synagogue, and what happens? They explain and try to prove the scriptures. What scriptures are we talking about? Old Testament scriptures. There's the scriptures of the New Testament are being write, written as, we, as this is happening, but they're talking about the Old Testament scriptures, okay? And what happens? Some people believe, some people don't believe. So here's my question for you. What is so upsetting about the message that Paul is preaching that everywhere he goes, there are people who are freaking out? What's that? 
Right. I mean, they're, they're, the, the Romans are, are, are worshiping and honoring Caesar. They're worshiping other gods. The Jews, can, um, they've got an idea of what God is going to do. They can't understand this. So here's what it is, is that everywhere that Paul goes and preaches the gospel, it is what he is calling for is change. He is inviting these people to change the way that they think. Everywhere that you go, I hope you are inviting people to change the way that we think. Guys, we are trying to change the world. We're not okay with the, with the way the world is. The world is messed up. If the, if the coronavirus doesn't kill everybody, it's not exactly. It's not. It's not. I'm, I'm not guys, don't be, we're not scared of anything. We're in Christ. If you're not in Christ, you've got a lot more big things to be scared of than the coronavirus. But if you're in Christ, then we're not scared of anything. But, but if the world remains without the love of Jesus, it will not be able to continue. It can't. We are headed for craziness. And Paul understood that, and we understand that, and we are trying to change the world just like Paul was. Okay. So they're upset because Paul's trying to change the way the world is, and he's trying to change it by getting people to change the way that they think, just like I am for you. I'm not okay for you guys to think the way that you thought last month. I'm really, the reason I'm, I'm teaching the Bible is I want you to think differently about the world. Paul wants them to think differently. And, th and so the way he does it in verse 2 again, and I want to invite you to underline verse, the second part of verse 2 and verse 3, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Can you reason with people from the scriptures? Explaining and proving Underline that or circle those two words, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I'm proclaiming to you and that we're proclaiming to UTA and that we're proclaiming to the world is the Christ. So here's what I want you guys to do. I want you guys to be able to do the same thing that Paul did. I want you to be able to, like it says here, reason with the people from the scriptures, using logic to help them to understand what the scriptures say about Jesus. And I want you to be able to explain and prove that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. And I want you to be able to say, this Jesus I'm proclaiming to you is the Christ. Okay? You guys with me? Okay, Here, and here's my question. Can you guys do that? Can you do it? Have you done it? Did you do it today? Are you going to do it? Can you use the Bible this week? And what we're talking about in next week is can you use history and science and culture to prove people who are willing to listen that Jesus is the Christ? Okay. So tonight we're going to do what Paul did. We're going to look at the Old Testament. We got 25 minutes left here. In 25 minutes, we want to see as much how much of... Old Testament proofs we can get from you guys that prove or point, at least help to prove, that Jesus is the Christ. Okay, tell me your scriptures that you go to. Okay, here you are. You're in the synagogue in Thessalonica, and they're going, what are you talking about? What's your answer? Okay, Isaiah 53. Thank you. We got Isaiah 53. Okay, what else? We're going to write these up here, and then we're going to let some of you guys talk about them. Okay. Okay, Isaiah 49, 4 through 6. Okay, what else? Isaiah 49, 15. 
Huh? The book of Isaiah. Amen. That's right. The book of Isaiah. Okay. Um, but we can't teach through the whole book of Isaiah tonight. Okay, what else? So, say it again. Zechariah 14. Zechariah 12.10. Zechariah 12.10 is the, um, that they will... Oh. Zechariah 12.10 is... They will look on him who, who they've pierced. He doesn't know. He's testing me, but... Okay, that's okay. I just can't think of what that is. Tell me, tell me next one. Genesis 3.15. Amen. Genesis 3.15. Okay, what else? Malachi 3.1. Okay. Okay, what else? No, we're still... So Old Testament. We're taking the Old Testament. We, we could spend a bunch of time on the New Testament, too, so thank you. Philippians 2 oh, is great also. What else? Zechariah 9.9, donkey verse about Jesus riding on the donkey. Okay, what else? Genesis 22. Okay. Okay. Keep going, guys. Genesis what? Genesis 12.3. Okay. Um, Genesis 12.3. And it points to Jesus. Points to Jesus in a way. Okay, what else? Micah 5.2. Okay, Micah 5 2, what else? Isaiah 61. Isaiah 61, great. What else? Psalm, two. Psalm 22. Psalm 22, Jesus on the cross, yeah. Psalm 2, Jesus as the ruler of the nations, the victor. Okay, what else? Say it again, Numbers 2. Numbers 2, guys, if we have time, we'll, let's look at Numbers 2 because it'll blow your mind. Yeah, good. First Kings, First Kings thirteen twenty seven. Is that about the Davidic uh, dynasty? Man, you're going to teach me something tonight. First Kings thirteen twenty seven. Wow. Okay, what else? I, I got a question mark about this. I don't know what that one is. Okay, say it again. Oh, it's it's about the, no 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 no. You're right about the man the man of God who goes to he goes from from he goes from from Judah to Bethel and he's told not to eat anything on his way eat or drink anything on his way and then a, and then a guy lies to him. Yes, actually there is a there is a prophetic picture in First Kings thirteen. Thank you. No, that's Second Kings thirteen. Oh my goodness. Okay, I, I got to look at this one. I don't know what you guys are at. Okay, you guys can teach me that later. What else? Say it again. Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand until I make your enemies my footstool. Okay, what else? Say it again. Judges 14. Okay, Judges 14. It was, was, it, um, was that Scatter that said that? Thank you, Scatter. Thank you. Out of the lion came something sweet. There's, there's prophetic significance in that. Okay, what else? Ezekiel 34:23, which is about the shepherds. Yep. Okay, about the shepherds, um, the, the future, the, the future shepherds of Israel. Okay, what else? Yeah, somebody's confused. <laughs> somebody's confused. So I got, I, I got to figure out what they're talking about this one. Okay, what else, guys? 
Isaiah 61 up there, yeah. Psalm, Psalm 18, okay, Psalm 19. And what was the other one that somebody said? Daniel 9, yeah, that's right, Daniel 9, especially 27 and those verses. Okay, what else? Man, I'm impressed, this is great. Okay, some of you guys are going, I don't know any of these. Don't worry, that's what we're doing this, okay? Okay, anything else or should we start? Okay, let's do this. Um, okay, let's, let me just share some with you that I haven't shared before. Actually, there's, there's probably lots of people here that I haven't. Okay, let's start with, um, last week was Ash Wednesday, right? Let's start with Ash Wednesday. Um, Ash Wednesday, what is Ash Wednesday? Ash Wednesday is an Old Testament, so what are we talking about that for? Okay, this is, this Ash Wednesday, Lareb comes in, he'd gone over to the Episcopal Church, and they'd put a, a, a cross on his forehead. And I said, Lareb, where in the Old Testament does it say, um, does it talk about people putting a cross on their forehead? He's like, I don't know. I said, well, if you can figure it out, I'll buy it. I'll give you a free latte. Of course, lattes are free here anyway. But um, he's, so he went, out, <laughs> he went out of my room, and I forgot about it. And the poor guy spends the next four hours studying the Bible. And he comes back. He's like, I can't find it anywhere. I was like, well, it's kind of a trick question. So let me just tell you guys. Um, let me tell you. Does, does anybody know? If, don't tell us if you do. Just raise your hand if you know. Where? The, where? Where? A cross is put on the forehead of the people of God in the Old Testament. Old Testament. It's like, well, how is that? Well, it's prof- there's a prophetic picture of the cross of Jesus in multiple places in the Old Testament. But in this one place, it's really interesting. It's in uh, Ezekiel 9.4, right? So, guys, look at Ezekiel 9.4. If you can put it up here, Kevin, that'd be really cool. Okay, Ezekiel 9, verse 4. Okay, so um, can, let's see, I'll read, I'll read Ezekiel 9. <coughs> 9, 4. Okay, 9, 3. Now the glory of the Lord of Israel went up from above the cherubim where it had, where it had been and moved to the threshold of the temple. Then the Lord called to the man clothed in linen who had the writing kit at his side and said to him, Go throughout the city of Jerusalem and put a mark on the foreheads of those who grieve and lament over all the detestable things that are done in it. Okay, he's, putting, he's telling him to put a, a mark on the foreheads of who? Those who are like, who, who are disgusted by the people who are turning, turning away from the Lord. Okay, and he's told to put a mark on there. Okay, so... Is anybody interested? Actually, Kevin, if you can, you put Bible Hub up here. I want you. I want to show you guys how to do a little bit of Bible study. In it's so easy now compared to the way it was when I was your age. Okay, so can you can you put a Bible Hub up here, or if you got it on your phones, you can do Bible Hub and go to go to Ezekiel nine, four. Okay. Okay, go there and let's let's see, let's see if we get Bible Hub up here. Is it possible, or should I just keep going? Okay, this is what it says. It says to put a what on the forehead? A mark. Are you guys interested to know how to say mark, what, what this is in Hebrew, in the language it was written in? Okay. The word is to put a tau. Do you guys know what a tau is? Where's, is are any of the prebies here? Okay. Will Preby knows um, quite a bit of Hebrew. 
So uh, a tau is um, a tau is the the letter. Actually, I don't write Hebrew well at all, but uh, okay, well, we'll just do it here. Let me show you. Okay, we got. Okay, that's three. Go to the next verse. Next verse. Next verse. Okay. Okay, now four. Now, now I'm showing you guys how to do this. Go to Bible Hub. Anytime you guys want, you can read it in the original language. Right up here, you hit Hebrew. Okay, hit Hebrew. Okay. Okay, now go down. Go down, and we're going to find where it says put a mark. Okay, right here, a mark. Okay, click on, right there, it says towel, right? Okay, click on this, 8420. Okay, 8420 is tau. Now, tau is actually one of, it's actually one of the Hebrew letters, okay? And it's, it's, it, it, it's something like this, okay? Um, and, of course, the, so many of the Hebrew letters, which come from Aramaic, look very much the same. So you, the slightest uh, discrepancy can actually be a different letter. But tau looks something like this. And yet, here's what I want you guys to get. That's the mark. Or is it? Prior to the Babylonian captivity, the Hebrew alphabet wasn't written like this. The Paleo-Hebrew, you guys know what Paleo means, right? So it means like the archaic, the old, the old Hebrew. Tau was written like this. It's written as a cross. So when the, when they're, when the, in this vision, he's told to put a mark on the foreheads of the people who stand against the evil that's been done in the city, what mark is being, being put on there? It's a cross. This, this is, so Paleo-Hebrew is the Hebrew script that was written that the, that, that the people of Israel, that's the Jewish people, used until the Babylonian captivity, which, which was in, uh, the final Babylonian captivity started in 586 B.C. So after that, they moved to Babylon and they adopted the, the, um, the Aramean script. Okay? But prior to that, they used this Paleo-Hebrew, which the Samaritan, you guys remember the Samaritans? The Samaritans continued to use the, Paleo, the old Hebrew. So if you, read, if you read the scriptures in the old, old Hebrew, you're going to find this. This was the mark. It's, it's the same way where, you know, if you look, it's the difference between cursive and, and block writing, okay? I mean, there's, there was a difference, and it became, it became this. So it's a really interesting study. There's other, there's other very interesting studies about that, too. But that's not what we're studying tonight. Okay. Okay. We're, we're asking for places in the Bible where the... Where, Jesus is pointed to in the Old Testament. Are you guys still with me? Okay. Where should we go now? Let's go to, let's, let's just go to Genesis. We got 10 minutes left. We can get through the book of Genesis, can't we? Okay, Genesis 3. Somebody said Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15 is the, is the curse against the serpent. Yeah, there it is right there. there there's the. There's the Paleo Hebrew. See, modern Hebrew, and then Hebrew at the time of Ezekiel. There you go. Okay. Um, so Genesis 3.15, this is the curse. Remember the, the, the serpent, the devil, leads the, the, the humans into sin, and God curses the serpent. So Genesis 3.15 says this, I will put, he's, he's cursing 
the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman. Who's, who's the you he's talking to? The serpent. And the serpent is? And we know that the serpent is Satan based on what scripture? Revelation 12. That, that ancient serpent, the devil, it says. Okay? So it's talking about Satan, the devil. There's going to be enmity between the devil and the woman and between your offspring, whose offspring? The devil's offspring and hers. Okay? Now, really, NIV is a great, uh, I like the NIV in a lot of ways, but it doesn't always get it right. The word is the, the seed, between your seed and hers. Okay, who's the seed of the devil? That's a whole other topic. But it's, it's, it's the spirit of the Antichrist that, that, that rose up in multiple ways, typifying or picturing the future Antichrist who will stand against Jesus and Jesus will crush the head, will crush the serpent and the Antichrist, the seed of the serpent. But what is the offspring of the woman? Or the seed of the woman? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Now, well, well, the well, here's why it's important that it doesn't just say offspring, that it's the seed of the woman. The reason this is important is because if you say offspring of a woman, it's like, okay, that's her, ba that's her baby or that's her descendant. But... The importance of the word seed is that women do not have seeds. That's the guy, right? So this is a prophetic statement of the virgin birth. Is that cool? Okay. Okay. Now, that alone might not convince all your friends, but let's move on. Okay, how about um, in, in Genesis 5? Numbers 2 is great. Do you guys want to do number? Do you want to do number two? I think let's do let's do Genesis five first. Okay, let's do Genesis five. Genesis five is um is has anybody read Genesis five recently? Okay, Genesis five. Yeah, who likes the Genesis five genealogies? It's almost as exciting as numbers two. Okay, here's Genesis five. I'm turning down the AC here because it's hot. Um. Okay, Genesis five. You got you got. You got, a, you got 10 generations from Adam to Noah, okay? So Adam, has anybody got those memorized? Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Mahalalel, Jared, Methuselah, Enoch, Lamech, Noah. Okay, I got it. Okay, now have you guys got, bothered to go through and see what all those names mean? Okay, let me just tell you, okay, because it's exciting. Okay, Adam means what? Adam means man, humanity. Okay, Adam, Seth means appointed. Thank you. You know where I'm going. Okay, let me just tell you what it says. You guys interested in what, it, what this genealogy says? Okay, check it out. Man, appointed, mortal, sorrow, the blessed God shall come down. His death shall bring the despairing rest, and comfort. Okay, is that just coincidence? Okay. See, it looks to me like there is a divine author to this book. Okay, next one. Next, next part of Genesis that points to Jesus is what the next big story is, the story of the... Flood. Okay, the flood. The flood is the story of the, the wrath of God being poured out on humanity, but salvation being available in this 
wooden vessel. The ark represents Jesus, the safety in Jesus. Okay? You guys with me? Okay. Now, something that's interesting about this is in verse 14. Verse 14, God tells Noah, make yourself an ark of cypress wood, make rooms in and out, and coat it with pitch inside and out. Okay, you just read over that and think, big deal. Well, what's interesting, and I don't have this all figured out. Of course, I'm studying the Bible every day and learning more and more and more. But the word for pitch is the same word that's used in Leviticus 17.11 for atonement. The life of the creature is in the blood, and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourself on the altar. Now, that's interesting. I haven't figured out all, what all that means and how that word is used in other places. But the same word for the pitch, the sealing of the ark, is the same word for the sealing of your life, your salvation. Interesting, huh? Okay, let me, just, let me just share one more thing with you that you guys would be really interested about the ark. Is that the ark, does anybody know how to write ark in Japanese? Miyu-chan does. Yuta-kun does. Miyu-chan, you want to write it? Okay, guys, let me just show you. Let me, you, let me show you. Of course, Japanese script, there's different Japanese scripts. The Japanese kanji came from China. And China has, prior to Buddhism, China was, had, had uh, a religion that was to Shangdi, which is Lord Most High. And the way, so there's lots of, lots of biblical parallels in ancient Chinese religions, religion, pre-Buddhism religion. So let me just show you guys how to write uh, ship in Japanese, okay? Now, this is not proof of Jesus from the Old Testament, but it's, it's an interesting thing that... Oh, never mind. Let's just move on. No, you guys are interested. Okay. Okay, here it is. Okay, so I'm going to teach you. This is what it is. You write it like this, okay? So you do like this, okay? That's boat, okay? To write ship, you write boat and eight and mouth, or eight people. So eight people on a boat is a ship. Where do you think that came from? Noah's Ark, exactly. Eight people in the boat were saved. Okay, is that interesting or what? Is that proof that Jesus is the, the king of the universe? I don't know, but it's an interesting fact. Okay, let's see. Um, we got five minutes to hit a few more of these. Um, what's that? Okay, let's do Genesis 22. Okay, Genesis 22. Do you guys remember the story in Genesis 22? Um, God has promised this, this promised son that is going to be Abraham's heir, he is born, and after he's born, God tells him, take him to, where does he tell him to take him? You guys remember? Mount Moriah. Okay, where's Moriah? Moriah is the, is the mountain area right there where Jerusalem is. Mount Zion is a, is a part of that, but it's, it's that area where Jerusalem is. He tells him, take his son, his beloved son, to Mount Moriah. They travel for how long? Three days. They travel for three days, and when they, when they get to the foot of the mountain there, uh, what happens is that Abraham says to his servants, you stay here, and he takes the donkey. Remember the donkey? There's another donkey story. There seems to be a donkey theme. And he, puts, he, he goes up the mountain to make a sacrifice, to sacrifice his son. And where does he put the wood? He puts the wood on the back of his son. Okay, read, you guys can read this in, in Genesis 22. He puts the wood on the back of his son and marches up to the mountain of Moriah, the area of Jerusalem, where 
Isaac is to be put to death. But of course, there's a substitution made on that mountain, and a, a lamb is substituted for Isaac's life, and Isaac goes free, which was God's plan all along. But the prophetic picture is that in that place, in fact, that's what he says, on this mountain, it will be called, the Lord will provide. That's Jesus. The prophetic picture. From, now, is that just coincidence that we're, what happened with Isaac just, just happened to happen on, in the same place where Jesus died? I don't think so. Okay. Okay, numbers two. Do you know numbers two? Okay. Okay, guys. I should keep guys numbers two for homework. Okay. I should be like, if you guys can figure it out. Okay, let me just tell you numbers two. Numbers two. Um, do we have an eraser? Somewhere? Oh, here. Okay, eraser. Let me, let me tell you. Go ahead and turn to numbers two, guys. Numbers two is the camp of the Israelites. Remember that, that the, the Israelites were in, in captivity. Well, they were in Egypt for 430 years. They come out, and then they march through the wilderness. But as they're camping at the foot, as they're camping in the wilderness, they have a certain formation, just like any army does. Okay? They have a certain formation, and there is, there is, the, there is the, the center place where there is the tabernacle. Inside of the tabernacle is, is the Ark of the Covenant. Outside of that is the priests. Whoops, here, we've got to make this square. It's a square here. Outside of that is the priests. And then on the east side of that, there are three tribes. Okay? Three tribes, and, you, if, and the numbers are there. The number tells us how many people are in each of those tribes. And you read through those, and you think, what does this have to do with anything? And you ignore it. But if you draw it out, you take the tribes that are on the east side, and you take the three tribes that are on the west side, happen to be a lot smaller, and you take the tribes that are on the north side, that goes up to about here, and the tribes that are on the south side, it comes out in the shape of a cross. Okay? Now, you can take those, you can take those numbers that are there and add them all up and draw your little diagram, and it comes out in the shape of a cross with this part facing east because... East is where the sun rises, and that's where the, when the sun comes up, um, it shines right into the temple. The temple faces east. Jesus will, will come into Jerusalem from the eastern gate when he comes in on a white horse, Revelation 19. So there's, there is the diagram. Now, of course, we think of our maps looking north. And I, so, so, so here, I, I learned this however many years ago. And, I, and then one day, I was thinking about this, and I thought, was there ever a time that anybody could see this? Yeah. Somebody said, yep, because you've, you've heard me talk about it before. And so I thought, well, where, did, where, could some, where do I know for sure that, this encamp, that, this, that the Israelites were camped where I know that somebody was up above watching them? And I thought, oh, I know exactly where it is. So I got out my Google Maps, and I looked at, I thought, in Numbers 23... Numbers 20, remember Balaam on the donkey? There's that donkey thing again. Balaam on, on the donkey, and he goes and he, he comes to curse the Israelites. And they go up on Mount Nebo. Okay? They go up on, Mount, on that area around Mount Nebo, and he looks down at the Jordan Valley. Who's been to Israel before? 
You guys have been, right? Yeah. Okay. Have you been over in Jordan's side? Okay. But you, you, you've, been on the, you've been on the Mount of Olives side, and it goes straight down to Jericho down there, right? Okay. And right across, just south of Jericho is the Dead Sea. And what you find is that if you go up to Mount Nebo, and you look down to where the Israelites were camped, and it looks straight west. Okay, Mount Nebo's here. If you look straight west, guess what's here? The place where Jesus died. It's exactly the same, what is it, parallel um, latitude. And when I saw that, I thought, oh my goodness. Balak is up, Balaam is up there with King Balak of Moab because King Balak of Moab is trying to curse, get him, is paying him to curse the Israelites. And he looks down and he sees a cross. He doesn't know what it means, but it's pointing right to Jerusalem, right at the place where Jesus would die 1,450 years later or so. That's just coincidence, isn't it? Okay, guys, we're out of time. If we weren't, we could go for another four days talking about this stuff. The Old Testament is jam-packed full of prophetic pictures of what Jesus would come and do and who he, who he is and who he was. Guys, let's stand up and let's pray. Lord, thank you for teaching us. Thank you that in all the chaos that's all over the world... People unsure about their stocks and their finances and their food and their health and their future. We are safe in you. And we're not worried about anything because you're not worried about anything. We cast all of our cares in you, all our concerns about classes and about finances and about car repairs and about our future. And we just say, Lord, you're, you're in charge of our lives, so we throw ourselves in your mercy. And would you just keep on training us to be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks us to give a reason for this hope that we have. Why we live with such love for you. That we do, that'd, be, that'd be easy for us to answer. Would you bless my friends here? Would you, would you protect us as we go to Port Arthur on Sunday? And would you protect the people who aren't going to? That every person over the spring break would not... Would, would follow you and that not one minute of their time would be wasted, that there'd be no turning away from you, that, that all of us would run hard after you. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.